five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA, coming to you almost live with marketing news today. Mikhail Gorbachev passed away this week, and um, not everybody remembers his Pizza Hut ad. So there's a couple of versions of it. I thought this was the funniest. Uh, he's walking with his granddaughter. It's his real granddaughter. Uh, through Red Square, St. Catherine's Cathedral, Orthodox Cathedral right there. And so let's play it, and, and I hope you enjoy it. You know, if Ted gets on there for this, he can tell me if the translation is accurate. Probably they just redid the subtitles to make it say whatever they wanted. Okay, so here's a picture of Gorbachev with his with his granddaughter. And uh, they paid him a million dollars for this spot, which he donated or he used to fund some research projects that he was working on. But uh, he wouldn't eat the pizza. <laughs> But I thought it was pretty good. And so here's the story from from Amy Houston at the drum um, back. And and the original one says that, you know, Pizza Hut unites families or something like that. And uh, it's pretty funny. I liked it. Now we're going to jump right into direct mail. The best direct mail for 2022 and this is from my friend summer gould who i always enjoy and brand united is uh the publisher of course and um you know she starts out with the old tripe about direct mail everybody thinks is outdated but it's got the best roi and uh i always love these the <laughs> i always love these statistics 62 percent of consumers who responded to direct mail in the per past three months made a purchase. What percentage of consumers who didn't respond made a purchase? I bet 100%. <laughs> I bet all of you made purchases, even if you never if you never looked at a direct mail piece in your life. But in the last three months, you've made a purchase. I always wonder where these surveys get their data. 62% of consumers who responded... <laughs> never mind. Anyway, let's go on. The best direct mail is sent to the right person with the right offer at the right time. You know, and the implication is that if we just had the a really good list, you know, and I remember back in the day when database marketing was the thing, you know, direct marketing and database marketing, and we could figure out who was going to order right now and uh, of course, that got picked up by the by the digital crowd, and they're still pitching that that somehow we can find the person the we could mail one mailing piece and get an order time. We actually did have a, a higher than 100% response rate with Cabela's 
if we took the top 5,000 of the 5 million that we mailed. Now, we did some fancy modeling to find that cell, right? And it wasn't just RFM. It is possible in direct mail to send out uh, uh, 5,000 pieces and get more than 5,000 orders. I would have said no, but it's true, it is. The problem is you pretty much got to mail 5 million to find out, find those 5,000. So I didn't even highlight the word personalization. It was the 2019 marketing word of the year. Okay, design is important, but your messaging is and offer are critical to drive, to drive response. But if it's not sent to the right person, you will not get the response you need. I got a, I got a uh, Christmas card from Lab Safety. The Lab Safety catalogs were about an inch and a half or two inches thick. And in the Christmas card, they had a picture of a little old lady with a stack of Lab Safety, maybe two feet tall catalogs because they used to mail just everybody and she was putting the star on the top of her christmas tree and using them to stand on because it's hard to tell who you should mail and who you shouldn't and it's so hard to tell that companies that mail millions of pieces a year have often hired us to figure it out and we go head to head and oftentimes we'll beat their return on investment by hundreds of percent their 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 revenue per piece or profit per piece we do it we've done it many many times so it's it's worthwhile if you're going to mail a few a few catalogs or something that's fairly expensive so it's not so simple and that's the best of the best that's people that do testing on every mailing and really really know what they're doing right and yet they outsourced finding the right person extremely difficult right now, brings us back to personalization again. Summer mentions a 35% lift over previous static direct mail pieces. So I went and looked up the study. Here's the study, nice picture. I even called Alcom Printing in Harleysville, Pennsylvania. I talked to a couple of people there. I said, does anybody know what this study was about? All it says was that there were 35% an increase of 35% of students in the university inquiry pool. What does that mean? Did they do did they have a control? Did they have holdout tests? Did they have any idea what's going on? You can't tell from here. Absolutely no idea. Nobody could tell me. So I said, "Okay, that's something." Um, she mentioned, uh, looking at your data, how can you get, one of the best things about direct mail is how, is how targeted you can get. You can look at your data, gender, age, what they've purchased from you and what they've purchased from you is actually somewhat usable. Unfortunately, if you categorize it like Oriental Trading did, who had me fly out and <laughs> and talk to them about their data. Um, they had it categorized by the material that the but the merchandise was made out of. You know, Baseball Express had bats, balls, gloves, uniforms, categories like that. And uh, it it didn't really tell the story. It I called up the president, who was a friend of mine, and I said, Rich, 
business. I said, do you ever think of that you do business to business? They said, no, we just sell to consumers. I said, okay, well, who buys this $4,000 pitching machine in I see in your catalog? Oh, leagues, colleges, even major league teams. I said, do you ever think you, you're doing some business to business? No, strictly consumer. Convinced them that maybe he, maybe we should analyze who bought those pitching machines. And we created a variable, a business-to-business -business variable. And what we found was that if you bought line chalk, you had a serious baseball diamond. Even if you'd only spend $35 on a bag of line chalk, that's, you know, it's, it means that you are a potential pitching machine buyer. And that one idea and that one variable and that one different perspective on who buys what told them that, you know, we, I said, you should do some phone out. You should test this. Eventually, they got field salespeople driving around saying, you know, we can do a lot for you guys. And uh, it worked really well. Now, that, you know, I, I tracked down some of these statistics um, because personalization uh, you know, here's a story of a restaurant that that got a 24% response rate. 600 of the 2,500 people contacted came to the came to the restaurant. And of course, they might have had a they might have had free food, right? Might be a, might be a small town. I don't know. I don't know who the surrounding people were. I don't know any of the context of that. So, you know, personalization is 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 vague. I actually looked up the power of me where this is referenced by a lot of articles. It's an Epsilon study that was done in, I think, 2017. They said 80% of the people surveyed, and they had about a thousand people, 80% of consumers are more likely to do business with a company that offers a personalized experience that got covered over by this thing. And I actually found the real, the real uh, study from Epsilon.com. And I'll put these up on the show notes, WDMA.org. You go there, you subscribe, you can get all these. It took me a lot of time to track this stuff down. And 80% uh, of consumers are more likely to make a purchase when brands offer personalized experiences. N couldn't find that defined. You know, I mean... Is personalized experience now let's say you let's say you thought I was a size 10 shoe and that you know if that sounds funny to you with baseball express we actually thought about creating a shoe size variable and the reason we did was because they were working with kids junior high little league maybe some high school but by the time you got to college or minor league ball or serious baseball they provided all your equipment so we we thought that maybe by looking at shoe size we could customize the experience. You know, we we really work hard with our clients to try to figure out what kind of segmentation is possible. That's actually what what Summer is talking about. She says, you know, think about what kind of groups you have, what personas. It's not so easy. Right? So so we knew what size shoe, if they bought, we sold a lot of shoes. If they bought shoe size, we did work with East Bay, too, that sold athletic shoes. If that could tell us something like, you know, were those sizes increasing? That means the kid's still growing. Were they 
leveled off. That means they're not growing anymore and they're getting they're getting to the twilight of of our customer relationship, right? Okay. So, you know, but personal, you know, per, so let's say we offered a, a coupon and we said 50% off size 10 shoes. That would be personalized. Would it work? Well, if you were a size 10, it would. For everybody else, it wouldn't, right? And in that study by Epsilon, it says only 7 or 8% of people respond to targeted product offerings. You don't know what I'm going to buy next. I, I don't know what I'm going to buy next. Which brings us to our the best article in Peter Weinberg and John Lombardo. And it says that personalization is the, is the worst idea in, mar, in the marketing industry. The promise of one-to-one personalization at scale doesn't work, right? Proponents believe we're entering a new era of marketing. You know, when I started in 1977, 78, selling printing, Farm Journal had figured out with R.R. Donnelly how to produce segmented editions of Farm Journal magazine, that the farm, that the wheat farmers were different than the hog farmers. Makes sense. And they could charge increased advertising rates. We did something like this with Musician's Friend. For a while, we were doing four different editions every month. And after about 18 months, and it was incredibly hard work, and they sold something like $10 million in advertising. I mean, you know, but Brian, who was running the thing, said, John, if you ever think that we're wrecking a half a billion dollar company because we can make 10 million in advertising you let me know you know and we just man it was it it looked great it made a lot of sense that the drummers were different than the guitar players we could find geodemographic evidence of that but you know what when we would mail the drummers a drum catalog they'd buy guitars out of it and when we mailed a guitar players guitar catalog we would they order drums it just was people are funny i really like summer's articles and you know god bless her she writes more on direct mail than any five other people put together okay but the case against personalization is two simple words it couldn't and it wouldn't right it's impossible the 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 problem with personalization is it's impossible you don't know what i want next because I don't know what I want next. No matter how much you know, marketers have, they per, personalization assumes marketers have perfect data on individual customers. We don't. It's a mess. Here, here's a great one. MIT and Melbourne Business School <laughs> decided to test the accuracy of third-party marketing data. How accurate is gender targeting? It's accurate 42% of the time, which means you'd be better off flipping a coin and just guessing, you know. <laughs> it, it is hilarious, right? And one of the great breakthroughs for Victoria's Secret's uh, catalog was when they accidentally sent it to men <laughs> at their office with B2B lists, you know, and the men bought it. <laughs> Anyway, how accurate is age targeting? Oh, it's between 4 and 44%. They actually ask people, is this accurate? You know, there was another study that basically said, and this is from Deloitte Touche, and that I will also include. They, they asked people about the car they drove and what they had on file. And, and 
75% of people said it was 0 to 50% accurate. Zero. 25% said it was not even 25% accurate, 25% of the, of the data. Okay, and the, I can get you these real studies, you know, and yet people are spending millions and millions and millions of dollars trying to figure out what you're going to buy next, right? It's about as precise as a drunk monkey throwing darts. It's a great article. You know, if you're a CFO or you know one or you're a CEO and you think eh, all that marketing analytics and stuff, I don't know. It doesn't, I can't figure out if it's moving the needle. And you're tempted to just kill your whole marketing budget. You know, it's like I've, I've shared before, Patrick Santangelo at, at Lovesack. You know, he said, it doesn't make sense to send catalogs to people who already know what we do. Our big problem is name recognition. I said, Patrick, you know, that's one of the most profound things anyone's ever said to me. Would you like to know how much it's worth to send a catalog to your existing customers? And he said, you can figure that out. I said, yeah, absolutely. How do you do it? I said, well, we take the couple of hundred thousand catalogs we were going to mail and we say, well, let's not mail a few of those. Let's not mail 10% or something of what we were going to mail. We'll hold them out. It takes a little care. It's not as simple as it sounds, I have to say. You know, what we did is after we did the model, when we had the, the whole mailing ranked from best to worst, we did a little out of each segment rather than just a 10%. If you just do a 10% random, you'll end up with mostly bad customers. There'll be a few good ones, but you're better off doing it after you've decided who are the good and who are the bad? Then you can see what's really going on. And so we did it, and we had a 300% EBITDA ROI. So for every dollar they spent sending a catalog to the customers, it generated about, let's just round numbers, say about $9 worth of sales and about $3 worth of profit, bottom line profit, something like that. And uh, then we were working on the matchback because we can we know who we mailed. We know it went to the home or apartment. We know that it got looked at by an, a decision maker, that there was engagement. OK, so we know a lot. And so we were working on the matchback and. And Ted, the the, <laughs> the master wizard back in the back said, you know, there's a lot of like next door neighbors in this. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, if I loosen up the match, I get a lot more matches, but it's not exactly the same address. It's just like next door. He said, so I asked Patrick, can we include that? And he said, well, run it both ways. Let's see what the difference is. Well, then it went up to a 900% EBITDA ROI. Okay. For every one order we got from an exact customer, we got two orders from a neighbor. Looks like pass along was making a big difference. So anyway, if you're riding the personalization train, this article says that they believe that personalization will be dead by 2025. I encourage you, get these articles. This is from 2017 where it talks about in detail about the, the, the prevalence and perils of bad big data. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart. And maybe you can save your company millions of dollars and maybe we should work on your data together.